Hello, and welcome to Imperfect Men, yet another Rexypod rating all the founding fathers of the U.S. of A, from Andrew Adams to George With. My name is Cody. I'm Steven. And today we are sweeping away the <laughs> dust of history <laughs> to lo- take a look at Jacob Broom. Uh, Bro- oh, it's because his last name's Broom? Is that why you said that? I was so happy with myself. I thought about that on the way over, and I was so happy with myself. I'm sure our listeners are, too. They're probably laughing. They're probably like, man, that was so clever. Well, they should be, because I'm funny. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're real funny. Yeah, so a signer signer of the Constitution from Delaware. Okay, is this our first Delawarean? That is a valid question. Maybe not. Uh, No. No. This is our third. Oh, dang. Okay. Uh, Richard Bassett. Bassett. That's right. And Gunning Bedford. Okay. We're both from Delaware. And they also signed the Constitution. Dang. All the so. Delawareans were like, we're signing that Constitution. Yep. Well, I mean, it's in Philadelphia. It's like right there. Right. So it's, it's just a hop, just, skip, just, just, just across, uh, across the river. Yeah. So. The Delaware River? Yes. Isn't that the one that George Washington crossed? Or was yes. that the... That was Delaware. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, Broom, born October 17th, 1752 in Wilmington, Delaware. The son of James Broom, a successful blacksmith and farmer, and oh, his man. wife, Esther. I was really hoping you were going to say broom maker. <laughs> I wish. I w- I that would be perfect. That is, that would be nominative determinism at its finest. <laughs> Uh, he followed in his father's footsteps as a farmer, but branched out into real estate and the mercantile business. So, you know, he, he's not, like, stupidly rich, but he's, you know, doing well for himself. He's cleaning up. <laughs> <laughs> wow, there's going to be a lot of puns. <laughs> he's, he's sweeping away the, co- the competition. Uh, he married Rachel Pierce in 1773, and they would go on to have eight children. Uh, one of whom, also named James, like his father, uh, would serve in Congress. Uh, Broom, he helped prepare maps for George Washington before the Battle of Brandywine in 1777. Uh, takes place not too far from where he lives. and He's not a member of the Constitutional Army. Cause he's very pacifist. He's like, I don't want to take part in any actual conflict, but I'll help you pre- uh, prepare some maps. Yeah, okay. So that's that's important. Yeah, and he served in various local positions over the next several years, uh, during and after the revolution. Uh, he was vice mayor of Wilmington. Uh, he was an auditor. He was what? Vice mayor? Vice mayor. Like, I didn't like, know there was a vice mayor. Is that a thing? Uh, some cities have them. Some don't. Oh, okay. So it's like your backup mayor. Oh, sure. Yeah, I was just I've never yeah. heard that before. Uh, police chief, justice. I mean, what? constituted police departments around this time and a uh, justice of the peace so he just you know local 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 leader you know not too flashy uh he serves in the delaware legislature in 1784 to 88 so there for a few years uh, and he's chosen to represent delaware at the constitutional convention and he signed the document at the convention's end uh he was appointed the postmaster of wilmington in 1790 nice cliff clavin would approve yeah, again, again, so just sticking local, you know, certain local offices. Uh, 
served on the board of directors for a local bank and a university. Uh, he built a home in Wilmington in 1795 that still stands to this day. You can go see the Jacob Broom House. What? Yep. Where not is necessarily, it at? Not it's necessarily in, because of him. It's in Wilmington? Yes. Delaware, okay. Yep. Right, right, right. Uh, he operated a cotton mill in the 1790s uh, that he later sold in 1802 to Eleuther Dupont. Ooh, Eleuther. Was well, he a vampire? <laughs> no, he was French. Oh, right, right. Okay, same difference. Uh, this mill became the nucleus of the DuPont Chemical Company. Oh. So, like, you know, makers of Teflon. Oh, geez. And Freon. And all the lots of gunpowder. And chemicals. Sponsoring Jeff Gordon and NASCAR. Destroys our planet. Yeah, okay. Yes. Yeah, I gotcha. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, this is where, like, like, this mill is where the big DuPont Chemical Company that's worth billions and billions and billions of dollars today, that's where it gets to start is this mill. Wow. That the first, you know, DuPont businessman bought from Jacob Broom. Well, that is crazy. Yeah. And Jacob Broom's house later be bought by the DuPonts. So, wow. that's why it's still around today. Dang. And he continued to participate in philanthropic activities until his death on April 25th, 1810, during a business trip to Philadelphia, age 57. Mm, okay. Do we know what happened? Did he fall off his horse? Or uh, uh, I couldn't. Stroke? Part-tack? Yeah, it was just kind of he was, just, he was just dead. He was just dead. <laughs> yeah, people don't just die. I mean, there's usually a reason. I mean, he's 57 at that day and age. Could be a number of things. Could have just been the consumption. Yeah. So, or just you know, one of these outbreaks of illness that happens so often. So right, that's but, true. Yeah, could have been anything. So yeah, not much to him. That's it. Okay. That's it. All right. Uh, perpetual union. Mm-hmm. How important were they to the? Uh, founding documents. Uh, he was described by a Georgia delegate, uh, William Pierce, as, quote, a plain, good man with some abilities, but nothing to render him conspicuous, silent in public, but cheerful and conversable in private, end quote. So basically, he was a guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He, he was a guy. He, he was okay. Didn't say much, yeah, you know, in public, but, you know, he talked amongst friends. He's, he so, did. Yeah, he was around. Yeah, <laughs> he was one of those guys that was around. Uh, he was a supporter of st- very strong central government. Ooh, uh, but many of the ideas he supported did not make the final draft of the Constitution, and some of these are a little weird. Okay, <laughs> uh, such as a nine-year term for senators okay. instead of the six-year term we ended up with. Uh, members of Congress would be paid by the state legislatures. Okay. As opposed to now where it's like they're paid by the federal government. Congress would have a veto over state laws. Okay. Yeah, that's very just like, no states, you cannot do what you want. Screw you, states. (laughs) The president would hold office for life. Oh, okay, no. No. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's where you're getting into the monarch thing again. Yeah, exactly. And this last one, it's like, we kind of had a tango with this recently. Uh, He wanted to vest state legislatures with the power to select presidential electors. Okay. Meaning that the state, that the state legislature, like they appoint the people who essentially elect the president, the electoral college. Okay. Now recently there was a court case uh, that kind of wanted this to happen uh, before the Supreme court. It's called the independent state legislature theory. 
basically it was something put forward by like the far right MAGA Republicans who were like wanted to be like, well, even if the state's people vote for a Democrat, we want the legislature to be able to say, no, we don't care what you. I did. remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you can vote for you. the legislature doesn't have to listen to anybody. That's yeah. I remember that. That was what was that? I forget. Which election was that? That was it. Was always uh, the most recent one, twenty twenty. That's what it was. Okay, uh, yeah. But yeah, but all the court cases since then have been like trying to establish this, and the, even uh, yeah. even the Supreme Court with its conservative bent nowadays was like, uh, no. If Trump <laughs> if, if Trump gets back in, they're going to do the th- the thing of, you know what? We should do that president for life thing. <laughs> we should do that too. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't shock me if there was a drive to repeal the twenty third, twenty second amendment. I think. Sure, one limits it to two terms. Yeah, it would not shock me. But we're getting way off topic now. So, uh, but yeah, that's that's what I got for perpetual union. So, wait, what did he do? Basically, he was a, a supporter of strong central government and a bunch of ideas that didn't get in. Okay, <laughs> I was trying to like because we kind of went off a tangent, and I yeah you, you yeah you didn't say much about him. Yeah, um, it, it, yeah, it, it's like uh well like the. The guy from Georgia was like, he didn't speak much in public. He talked in private, but he didn't speak much in public. So yeah. it's like, that means we have really have no record of what he thought too much. Well, unless somebody wrote it in a journal, who knows? Yeah. Um, I'm going to say uh, one. Yeah, that that's kind of what I was thinking. Uh, well, no, g- give me a two. Give me a two. Two? All yeah, right, I'll, I'll, two. I'll stick with one. Uh, that way, you know, yeah, I mean, a three, that's fine. So, so yeah, with a two and a one, that is a three for Perpetual Union. Not a great start. <laughs> and it's not going to get any better. Uh, we the people, what influence do they have outside of the founding documents? Uh, well, like I said, he prepared maps for the Continental Army prior to the Brattle, uh, Brattle, <laughs> Battle of Brandywine in 1777, which we lost. Whoops. What well, was it? Was it due to the maps? Were no. the maps incorrect? No. Then okay. I uh, served in several local offices and in the state legislature for a little while, and he supported a bunch of philanthropic activities. Okay. Okay. Like he really just did. He didn't really have much of a national profile, which okay. probably is also like why we don't have a lot on him. I give him a four. Four. I was. I was. I'm, I was going to go like a two. Oh, okay. I want to give him a four, because he he drew maps. I like that. <laughs> I like that about him. He's a he's the broom that drew maps. <laughs> he swept away the fog of war. <laughs> oh lord. <laughs> that's a third is one that ever. all you can think of? Is sw- I swept away this? I swept away that? <laughs> that's the easiest to use. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, uh. All right, so a four to two, that's a six for We the People. Now, articles of impeachment. Ooh. How scandalous. It was Jacob Broom. Oh, I bet he was real dirty, even. Mm-hmm. He was Mr. Clean. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, I can't uh, find anything. Nothing? Nothing. Not even a little bit? Nope. Not a quote, nothing? No, that's got to be a double zero. Ah, fine. All right. Zero for articles of impeachment. Now, for your favorite category. Yay! The whites of their eyes. Let's see them. What they look like. Let me see. Please tell me he's holding a broom in his picture. So, a little bit about this. Ooh, it's it's color. definitely not from the time period. 
Right. Yeah, it looks a little modern. But it's very this, good. But this was literally the only thing I could find. It's nice. It's a very good... It almost looks like maybe a watercolor or well, it's something. Well, like, it's like, is this even like is this even what he looked like? Or is this somebody just like, I don't know what he looks like. I'm just going to make it up. I don't, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, maybe there was, again, it could be, there could have been a painting or something that got destroyed. Yeah. That or, this was made from. Yeah. And this survived. It's but possible. The painting yeah, didn't. yeah, it's certainly possible. Um, But yeah, he's he doesn't have a powdered wig on. He's got his natural hair. No. It's uh, brown. He's got it pulled back in a little bow ponytail. Very stern face. Mm. Wearing the typical garb of the time. Yeah. It's only a bust. So no accessories, unfortunately. No. I'm going to go with the two. Two. Um. No, I'll do a two and a half because it is color. I was going to go with a one. Really? Because it's like, I don't, I really honestly don't know if this is him. Oh, well, I mean, you're taking it. Where'd you get that? Where'd you get the, the internet? It's, it was like literally like um, one of these sites that like like talks about like, you know, constitute like the constitution. This is the founding father. There was like one of those websites. Okay. It's, I don't know how reputable it is. Okay. Because like it was literally just like scouring for an image. Okay. So it's like, I don't know if this is really him or not. Or what? this is just so, somebody was just like, well, I'm just going to draw what I think he looked like. I'm going to go with it. It is him because, I mean, if it was okay. on there and it was saying it was no, him. I'll bump it up to a one and a half. Okay. I got two and a half. So, so 2.5 and a 1.5. That is a four for the whites of their eyes. Now for something else we've started doing is showing where they are in the... Uh, painting, uh, sign of the U.S. Constitution by Howard Kersey from 1940. There's about where he is. Okay. He's way back here. He's behind. It's the He's forehead. the forehead. <laughs> it's the forehead. He is lit, like the painter had no idea what he looked like. So he just like, because here's David, here's where he did last time, David Brearley. He's he, right here in he front of right him. right behind him. He painted Jacob Broom like just as like a forehead and the top of a head because he didn't know what he looked like. I mean, okay. <laughs> wow, poor Broom. Yeah. And even like um, in the Constitution Center, like where they have the statues of all these guys, it's kind of like a 3D version of this painting. He's even like, Broom's statue is kind of like looking down and his, his hand is up here like this. Yeah. Let me see. Let me see the picture again. Go back to the big, big picture. Okay, yeah, it is. Okay, I was just, I was just trying to see if it yeah. actually was that. Yeah, but yeah, it is that. Then. So, so it's like, it's like even the people making the statue are just acknowledging, like, oh, only his forehead shows up in the painting. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think I do remember seeing yeah. one of the statues that was like that, and like he has no like facial features. Yeah, he's like doing like that. He's like put his hand up over his face. Well, the the statue has one, but it's like. Is that him? Yeah, but I, well, they I mean, just, honestly, it's like they generic. Just they may just copy the mold from somebody else, <laughs> or maybe maybe that's where the the painting came. That little painting came from, was awesome. from mean, that statue. Maybe if it's or that vice modern. versa. And yeah. It's like, yeah. So that's, yeah. We don't know. Yeah, that's all we, we got. Know. So, uh, one bonus point for signing the Constitution for a total. Not great. Fourteen. 14. But 
score doesn't always matter. Oh. So we got to ask the question. What's the question? It's Jacob Broom. Hmm? A founding father or a floundering father? <laughs> um, Floundering. Yeah. It's, There's, like, not enough about him to yeah, really... Yeah, it's got to be. It's like, cause if you did something, you know, somebody probably wrote it down. Yep. So. Well, that one guy had a quote. That yeah, he, him. he remembered him. <laughs> yeah, he re- remembered him being a dude that was there. Yeah, <laughs> which is like being like at a party and somebody being like, "Oh yeah, that guy was there." <laughs> like okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sources for this: uh, Robert Wright and Morris McGregor's Soldier States from the Constitution from 1987. National Archives had an article on the Founding Fathers from Delaware from 2018, and of course the see the pen tweet for general sources. Uh, now, since this one's a little short, I'll, uh, we've done this a few times where we will read a little something related to the founder we discussed. So we're going to read Article 2 of the Constitution and talk about it a little bit. Okay. It's nowhere near as long as Article 1. Yeah, that was a long one. That was, and that really winded me. I'm old, and I can't, I can't do that for that long. Oh, Lord. You're like six years younger than me. But in spirit, I'm 30 <laughs> years older than you. It's true. So. Yeah, some more light over here. Article 2. The executive power shall be vested in a president of the United States of America. He shall hold his office during the term of four years and together with the vice president chosen for the same term be elected as follows. Each state shall appoint, in such manner as the legislature thereof may direct, a number of electors equal to the whole number of senators and representatives to which the state may be entitled in the Congress. But no senator or representative or person holding an office of trust or profit under, under the United States shall be appointed an elector. So, Electoral College, the electoral votes the state gets is the sum of your two senators and however many representatives you have. So, like, you, you're going to have a minimum of three. Um, and also, like, if you're a senator, representative, cabinet member, member of the military, you can't be a presidential elector. So, okay. you are barred from that. All right. The electors shall meet in their respective states and vote by ballot for two persons, of whom one at least shall not be an, an inhabitant of the same state with themselves. And they shall make a list of all the persons voted for, and of the number of votes for each, which list they shall sign and certify, and transmit sealed to the seat of the government of the United States directed to the President of the Senate. So, of the... uh, So, at this time, this is a period when you voted, like, when you're an electoral voter, you vote for two people for President. You don't vote one. This person is for president. This person is for vice president. You don't do that. This that wouldn't ch- that would change in eighteen oh four to where we have now. And of those two people, you cast your electoral vote for. At least one of them had to be from a different state. Okay. So that you can't just vote for two people from your own state. Makes sense. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And transmitting of the votes to the seat of government, to the president of the Senate, who is the vice president, that still happens. Mm. That's what was happening on January 6th. Um, 
2021. You know, that's what they were there for. They were counting the votes. Okay. So. Oh, okay. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, The President of the Senate shall, in the presence of the Senate and House of Representatives, open all the certificates and the votes shall then be counted. The person having the greatest number of votes shall be the President. If such number be a majority of the whole number of electors appointed, and if there be more than one who have such majority and have an equal number of votes, then the House of Representatives shall immediately choose by ballot one of them for president. And if no person have a majority, then from the five highest on the list, the said House shall in like manner choose the president. So if there is a tie in the Electoral College, which is possible... Um, because it's an even number. There's an even number of electoral votes, 538. So a tie is possible. Um, or if uh, no candidate gets a majority, which is going to happen if you have like three. I mean, likely to happen if you have three people uh, running. Okay. Or or more. Um, the House will choose the president. Okay. So it and it so that doesn't mean like. Okay, well, this person had the most popular votes, and they had the most electoral votes, but if they don't have a majority, that doesn't matter. Because hmm. in 1824, Andrew Jackson had the most popular votes, had the most electoral votes, but he did not have a majority. And the House chose John Quincy Adams. How do you not have the majority when you have both of those? Well, there were four people running for president that you four main people running for president that year and they all ended up with some some amount of electoral votes oh. so Andrew jackson did not have a majority i see you had I to have see. a majority wow yeah that's crazy yeah but in choosing the president the votes shall be taken by states the representation from each state having one vote a quorum for this purpose shall consist of a member or members from two-thirds of the states and a majority of all the states shall be necessary to a choice. So they don't vote by individual representative, they vote by state. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. Alaska's one lone representative is going to have the exact same voting power as California's 52. Mm. Dang. So it really, really favors the small states. Mm-hmm. In every case, after the choice of the president, the person having the greatest number of votes of the electors shall be the vice president. But if there should remain two or more who have equal votes, the Senate shall choose from by from them by ballot the vice president. Mm. Mm -hmm. So, so like you know, second place gets the vice president. That changed in eight to four. However, you can still like if there's no majority in the electoral college for the vote for vice president, the House doesn't pick him. The Senate does. Mm. That's happened once. Mm. In 1836, uh, Martin Van Buren was running, um, and he won a majority of the Electoral College, and he became president. His running mate was a guy by the name of Richard Mentor Johnson. He's mm. from Kentucky. And he was controversial because of his quote-unquote relationship with one of his slaves. Okay. And so a lot of people did not want to vote for him. And so when the Electoral College cast their ballots, Van Buren got the majority he needed for president. His running mate, Johnson, did not get the majority needed for vice president because people just <laughs> refused to vote. They voted for somebody else from the same party. 
Okay. So the Senate had to convene to choose the vice president. Dang. And then they voted, okay, we'll vote for Johnson. So he ended up still becoming vice president. No, sure. But the Senate had to pick him. That's crazy. So that's the only time this ever happened. So, but it still could theoretically happen. The Congress may determine the time of choosing the electors and the day on which they shall give their votes, which day shall be the same throughout the United States. No person except a natural-born citizen or a citizen of the United States at the time of the adoption of this Constitution shall be eligible to the office of president. Neither shall any person be eligible to that office who shall not have attained to the age of 35 years and been 14 years a resident within the United States. Okay. You can run for president. I cannot. Oh, yeah. I could, couldn't I? You could. Yeah, I'm almost 37. Yeah. And I've you know, lived in America my Pre- whole life. President Steve. President me. Uh, <laughs> That'll be my campaign. Vote for me for president. President me. <laughs> I will... I will have what well, I will institute a national horror movie day. <laughs> well, I would. Will not be in October. Because <laughs> you should all be watching horror movies in October anyway. <laughs> we'll be in June. <laughs> well, we'll be in July. We'll get rid of that pesky 4th of July thing. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of fireworks, horror movies. <laughs> in case of the removal of the president from office or of his death, resignation, or inability to discharge the powers and duties of the said office, the same shall but devolve on the vice president, and the Congress may by law provide for the case of removal, death, resignation, or inability, both of the president and vice president, declaring what officer shall then act as president, and such officer officer shall act accordingly until the disability be removed or a president shall be elected. Dang. So this is like kind of like, just like, okay, well, some has the president, vice president can take the job. In 1840 or 1841, this is the first time this happens, William Henry Harrison dies after a month mm-hmm. and John Tyler comes in. And there was some debate over whether Tyler actually was the president. Okay. Or if he was simply the vice president, just carrying out the duties of the president okay. until they schedule an election to fill the office. Okay. So there was some controversy over that because isn't that the whole reason the vice president's there though to take over for the president if something happens to him? Well, they didn't know if it was just like okay, well he holds this on a temporary basis until we can get another election. Oh, okay. So all right, they didn't they weren't sure or if he like is the actual president he gets to fill out the rest of the term. Right. Okay. Which at that point was like ninety nine percent of the term. Right. <laughs> well, yeah. Right. Yeah. So. But Tyler was like, no, I am president. I am no longer vice president. I hold the office. He, like, they, he would get mail addressed to the acting president. He would send it back, be like, there's no acting president here. Mm. I am the president. You will address it correctly. Oh, geez. Yeah. Man, he was stern. And this is this is very confusingly called the President Tyler precedent. <laughs> wow. Some alliteration. Yeah, there. so it was like it was like kind of held up just by precedent for well over a century. The Twenty Fifth Amendment kind of just clarified it, both clarified clarified it and muddied the waters a little bit, but made it clear that the vice president no vice president is president hmm. when the office comes vacant. So it's kind of like it's almost like a it, it is a little bit of monarchy when you think about it because like when the king dies. There's no vacancy. It automatically just goes to the next person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
goes to like you know say in the UK like you know Queen Elizabeth died as soon as she died Charles became king right. it well, wasn't like you didn't need like any extra you know confirmation or well I guess it depends on if you have family or not if they had family because I mean that's happened where the king would die or whatever well uh, well like I mean well even then it's like they have the line of succession worked out to like that's true fifty or six like well beyond like it's like they know who would be next yeah so it's yeah. like it automatically just shh, 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 shh. next person the presidency does the same thing yeah so like like i said a little bit of monarchy there they had they wanted it in there didn't they they, they had they, to put a little bit in there a <laughs> little bit a little bit they snuck it in there <laughs> the president shall at stated times receive for his services a compensation which shall neither be increased nor diminished during the period for which he shall have been elected and he shall not receive within that period any other emolument from the United States or any of them. He gets paid. Right. <laughs> I think his salary is like 400000 a year right now, I think. Man, that's a lot. So Dang. But he can't be, you know, he can't be given, you know, monetary gifts. You know, like, uh, you know, that kind of thing. Like, oh, this this is a gift. Of ten thousand dollars, you know so, that type of thing. The lobbyist thing. That's you know, yeah. That, that well, that was the big old controversy during Trump's time because he owned the the uh, he had a Trump hotel there in Washington, mm-hmm. and like a lot of foreign dignitaries would stay at that hotel. Sure. So it's like you can't. Own is he things. is he is he receiving money? For, like it, it's kind of it gray area. If a president can really or should. Really, to have an active hand in a business. Yeah, I thought that was yeah, I thought that was a thing. You don't have to give it up, but it's just kind of like you should. Mm. But like you know, are these four dignitaries coming here on the business of government? Mm. Is he making money off of that? Oh, geez, that was the big like that was a something that they were tempted to throw that in on the first impeachment, but they're like, let's keep it narrow because mm. this one's sure. kind of it's a gray area. Yeah. Uh, before he enters on the execution of his office, he shall take the following oath or affirmation. I do solemnly swear or affirm that I will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States and will, to the best of my ability, preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. You can swear or affirm. Hmm. I think two people have affirmed instead of swearing. Hmm. Uh, Herbert Hoover didn't want to swear. Mm-hmm. And I think Franklin Pierce was the other one. I could be wrong. I know Hoover did it, but... That's weird. Yeah. But notice, so help me God is not in there. Yeah. And yeah. they all say it afterwards. Uh-huh. It's just, it's just custom at this point. Washington <sighs> said it, so everybody says it. It's like the, it's like the, the, um, Pledge of Allegiance, how they, like, just kind of shoehorned and under God, yeah, just kind of shoehorned it in there. Throw it in there. Yep. It wasn't in the original nope. pledge. The president shall be commander-in-chief of the Army and Navy of the United States and of the militia of the several states when called into the actual service of the United States. He may require the opinion in writing of the principal officer in each of the executive departments upon any subject relating to the duties of their respective offices, and he shall have power to grant reprieves and pardons for offenses against the United States except in cases of impeachment. Hmm. Head of the military, he can have executive departments run by... You know, people he appoints, mm-hmm. pardons, mm-hmm. pretty straightforward. He shall have power by and with... I don't have much left. 
<laughs> he shall have power by and with the advice and consent of the Senate to make treaties provided two-thirds of the senators present concur. And he shall nominate and by and with the advice and consent of the Senate shall appoint ambassadors, other public ministers, and consuls, judges of the United of judges of the Supreme Court, and all other officers of the United States whose appointments are not herein otherwise provided for, and which shall be established by law. But the Congress may by law invest the appointment of such inferior officers as they think proper in the president alone in the courts of law or in the heads of departments. So basically if Congress creates a department or creates a job president has to have senate confirmation for it along mm. with the federal judiciary but he doesn't have to get it for every single position mm. so like white house chief of staff or like his press secretary sure yeah. those are people he can just hire yeah sure just as if for a regular job you yeah. don't need to go through the whole rigmarole of senatorial confirmation they're not as important because they're <laughs> seriously like they're i think they're like not counting the military there's like something like four thousand openings that each have to require Senate approval. Gee, many Yeah, Christmas. and knowing how slow the Senate works, yeah, kind yeah. of a problem. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's wow. That's like, it's too many. So. The President shall have power to fill up all vacancies that may happen during the recess of the Senate by granting commissions which shall expire at the end of their next session. Uh, recess appointments. They're not really a thing anymore mm. because the Senate found a way around it. <laughs> Of course because the Senate used to just be in, like, or really Congress as a whole, used to just be in session from December to March. That was it. Yeah. Because, uh, like, once March rolled over, they, like, got out of town and they didn't come back for until December. Yeah, right. So the president kind of, you know, it's like, well, if he needs to appoint somebody to position in June, he doesn't have to wait till December. Mm-hmm. He can just appoint that person that job. And then once the Senate comes back, they can confirm them. Oh, okay. The Senate doesn't really go out of session anymore, except, like, maybe in December. Like, they take breaks. Sure. But during those breaks, they have what's called a pro forma session. Basically, the president of the Senate will just say, hey, you are temporary president for the day of the Senate. (laughs) Then this is, like, during their break. And the Senate that, like, in the House, the House doesn't do this too, but the Senate is relevant here. They have to meet every three days. Okay. A senator or two, they'll stay behind in D.C. They're, it's the person you know, deputized to be in charge. They'll gavel in an empty Senate, mm-hmm. declare, well, there's no business for the day, gavel it out. What? Seems so arbitrary. It takes like 30 seconds. But the Senate is still technically in session, so the president can't do a recess appointment. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> because, like, as I mentioned, like, the Senate moves so slowly nowadays, by the time they got to, the, like, confirming the recess appointment, they'll probably have been in there for, like, two years. Jeez. Wow. So it's no like, wonder it's, nothing gets done, man. Yeah. So recess, recess appointments aren't really too much of a thing anymore. He shall, from time to time, give to the Congress information of the State of the Union and recommend to their consideration such measures as he shall judge necessary and expedient. He may, on extraordinary occasions, convene both houses or either of them. And in case of disagreement between them, with respect to the time of adjournment, he may adjourn them to such time as he shall think proper. He shall receive ambassadors and other public ministers. 
He shall take care that the laws be faithfully executed and shall commission all the officers of the United States. So the State of the Union, it used to be done in December, kind of like the, at the end of the year. And that was also, remember, when Congress was coming back into session. Mm-hmm. So it made it, you know kind of made sense, like, okay, this is what I want to happen in this session. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this, this is what the agenda is. George Washington and John Adams, they both presented their, st- their State of the Union addresses in person to the Congress. Okay. Thomas Jefferson, not really known for public speaking or having a love for it, right, yeah. decided, well, there's nothing in the Constitution that says I have to give the, the address in person. <laughs> so he basically wrote it, like wrote down in a speech, like wrote down a letter and sent it to the Congress for them to read. Oh, well, I mean, okay. And, and that's how it was all the way until Woodrow Wilson. People just wrote it in? You wrote it in. Oh, wow. And transmitted it to Congress. But Woodrow was like, you know what? I'm, I'm going speech. in. I'm going in. Yeah, and since then, you know, it's been presented to the Congress, you know, in a speech. Especially now, because it's like, it is kind of like a big, I don't want to say, I don't know, spectacles is the right word. But right, like, it's all televised and it's stuff. Televised, radio, internet, like, you, uh, like people want to hear you know, it. The American people can view it live. Yeah. And they want to hear from their leader, right? Yeah. Makes sense. Um, and it was kind of shifted to February. It's like usually like late January, early February now, because, like I said, Congress is practically always in session. And because remember, Congress used to be sworn in in March, mm-hmm. but now they're sworn in in January. Wouldn't make much sense to give it in December if a good number of these Congress people are going to be gone in a few weeks. Sure. Yeah. So you want to give it to like to the Congress right after they've been sworn in. And right after, like, you know, soon after they've been sworn in, and they can get to business. Business. Yeah. So. And finally, the last section. One that has certainly taken on new meaning in recent years. The president, vice president, and all civil officers of the United States shall be removed from office on impeachment for and conviction of treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. Oh, impeachments. Sounds so delicious. We've had three impeachments in the past uh, 25 years. Yeah. Impeachment inquiry just got opened up into President Biden. Yeah. Seems to be a thing of the day now. That's like, impeach them all. Keep them, keep them going. Yeah. <laughs> so they, uh, that that is Article 2. Uh, Probably, like I said, probably will have been a little more relevant last week, but I thought last week's was going to be longer, so... Well, I mean, this one's really short. I mean, yeah. So, like, yeah, yeah. I'll figure I'll throw it in here. Yeah. There's seven articles, hmm. so yeah. maybe we'll end up talking about all of them, and they get shorter and shorter and shorter <laughs> and shorter. Yeah. Um, and maybe we'll talk. I mean, I know we I know we talked about the Eleventh Amendment mm-hmm. at some point. Might talk about the Bill of Rights a little more in detail. Yeah. Once we get to like George Jefferson. Mason, maybe. But um, Jefferson didn't he help? Right, the no. Bill of Rights. No, that wasn't him. No, no, no. That's right. I'm thinking of uh... Madison. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I get them all mixed up. Yeah, it, it, I mean, there's a lot of them, as evidenced by the fact we're 19 episodes in. We're only in the bees. Oh, the bees. Yeah, which we're almost out of the bees, though. Yeah. Two episodes will be in the seas. Oh dang. Yep. Oh man. But before we get there. Yep. Oh. Podcast recommend uh, Grim Reading. 
another uh, podcast where they go through all of the uh, Grimm's fairy tales. Oh, that's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, so it's, I'm gonna have to check that one out. Yeah, so uh, pretty solid. Uh, yeah, go uh, go check it out. But uh, yeah, next time, and there, I looked in advance. There's a little more meat to his story. Mm. Pierce Butler. Oh, I thought you were gonna say Brosnan. <laughs> I was like, whoa. <laughs> Ugh, Pierce, the, the the worst Bond. Oh come on, he's Remington Steel. Come on. I don't mind him as Remington Steele. He's just not a good Bond. Ah, uh, whatever. He's six of six. To each your own. To each their own. Oh, uh, yeah. All right. Next time, Pierce Butler. Pierce Butler. Nope. Pierce Butler. Very well. Please be sure to check out our other projects, including We Effed Up, a history podcast where we cover all the times in history where we effed up. And The Drunken Pawn, a YouTube channel where we play board games and drink craft beer. As well as Hard Ticket to Sedaris, a movie podcast covering the action films of the late Andy Sedaris. And for all of our projects, visit our Twitter at AOP Pod Network. I'm Steven. And I'm Cody. And this is Imperfect, Imperfect Men. Men.